0: I just think the key is, is don't fully overthink it. You're going to find roadblocks in any sort of venture. I mean, there's going to be roadblocks, but you can choose to look at them and say, okay, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to learn and I'm just going to keep showing up or you can let it stifle you and stop you. And I just know that life is really short. So I got to try and I'm going to mess up, but hopefully I attract people that are forgiving in the way that I want to be forgiving of people. So here we go.
1: Acknowledging that things will get messy and that's okay. That stuck with me after talking with Bevan Prince, who you just heard a little bit from. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Crystal Laurie. Bevan hits all the marks for a bucket list careers guest actress from the TV show One Tree Hill, turned soul cycle instructor, and then entrepreneur, moving home from New York City to open her own outdoor cycling studio in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. But beyond the resume pivots, she is a born motivator and has launched a media brand and podcast called Be My Neighbor. So she's the first person I've had on the show who's also a podcast host, and she's good at it. She got me talking about why and how I moved out of TV news. Also about an e-commerce business I was working towards for about a year that got messy. Bevan's one of those people who's so authentic, you can't not share along with her. So we'll get into all of that along with her many takeaways. Why acting wasn't a fit. It took her a while to embrace that truth. And as far as the don't be afraid of the mess, fear of failure her career narrative highlights the concept of leaning in into what serves others and in turn serves you. Launching her new business, it's called Recess by Bevan Prince, in the midst of the pandemic was her response to a need in her community for connection through indoor cycling, outdoors. She lives by this. With intention, we make small choices, whether on a bike or in any given moment that can yield big results everywhere else. Bevan, it is very cool to have you on Bucket List Careers. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. You know, I love that name. I've said that to you before. And there's something about the fact that your character on One Tree Hill was named after you. Oh, yeah. it's not a stage name, right? I know Bevan isn't. Is Prince Bevan Prince?
0: I've got some pretty amazing parents, so I can't take personal credit for that. But it was my dad's fraternity brother's name. So it kind of reveals a great deal about me in one sentence. It works very
1: well for you. Obviously, the people on the show thought so, too. And being on a hit TV show like that. It is obviously a big part of what has shaped your career evolution. And while it ended in 2012, I'd say it's still very much in the now with Netflix. And when I did some tweets about having you as a guest, a lot of people actually are watching it again and introducing it to their kids, to their tweens. It's like the new generation. So clearly the themes there are not dated and that must feel good.
0: It does. I mean, it's really interesting the way that over the past few years, I feel like I've gotten more recognition for the show than ever because there's now several generations that have watched this show and fallen in love with it. And you're right. The themes are totally universal, right? Growing up in a small town and navigating that age of life is all really complicated and difficult. And it does a great job of making you feel a little less alone.
1: Yeah. Well, the show is amazing. We are going to touch upon that. Obviously, it's part of your whole evolution. You've made some pivots since then, aggressive ones, which is actually the term you used. And now you tell me you've landed right where you feel you always should have been, your bucketless career, obviously the theme of the show. And even more so than in your days of being on that hit TV show. So that'll be a part of the conversation, why the now, I think, is your authentic self. We want to know also just where your head was throughout all of those pivots, because that's how the listeners can learn from your story.
0: It's interesting when I think about the term bucket list, right? Like in some way to me, it kind of implies like you've had this dream your whole life. I didn't have the dream necessarily to open an indoor slash outdoor cycling studio, but it is the job that is most in line with my truth and my voice and my contribution in a really authentic way.
1: Right. And it just took you, like we said, some pivots and transitions to get there. But So let's start with your origins. You know, you were going to college in Wilmington, North Carolina. You got the part. Let's talk about the actual beginnings of your TV career, also through the lens of your self-awareness at that age, if you can.
0: Yeah, so I was definitely a attention seeker, for sure, as a younger kid, mm-hmm. and always loved the idea of being a quote-unquote actress. I always said I was going to be an actress. I didn't really even know what that meant. I'd done a couple small plays, but when Dawson's Creek ended and One Tree Hill moved in... I kind of looked at my friends and family and I was like, I'm going to be on that show. I don't even think I really thought it through. I was just like, I'm going to make it happen. I was interning for the uh, casting office there and sitting next to the guy who was casting the featured extras to be cheerleaders. And they asked if I wanted to be submitted for that. So I said, of course, I've never been on set. And then I think, you know, being away from Hollywood in a small town like Wilmington, I got to know everyone, the cast, the writers, the producers, everyone, and they started to write for me. And it was just like winning the lottery. Because you were not a named character at first, right? No, no. I was just cheerleader girl. (laughs) (laughs) So kudos to you for that, right? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. You know, it's interesting. I took that extra job that I was making, you know, $75 a day for 15 hours, but I took it really, really seriously. It was in the middle of college, so I was still going to school and trying to finish my degree. And... When I went to set though and they asked me to like shake my pom-pom, I took it super seriously. And I think (laughs) there's something to be said for that. It doesn't necessarily matter what your task is, how you show up, how you do something is really kind of how you do anything. And I think people recognize that and recognize that in me at an early age and gave me an opportunity to kind of step in and try something new.
1: So when the show became a big hit and there was all that attention, especially for someone like you who was totally new to the business, what was the toughest part of that, do you think? I mean, obviously it's all really great because you're in this successful world and you're working with beautiful people and you're beautiful. I mean, everything to the outside world, to all of us is just glam, but there must have been some challenges there. So how did those shape you and how did you navigate that?
0: I think, you know, being in your early 20s is really difficult to begin with. We're all kind of learning who we are and finding our confidence and and the things that make us confident about ourselves. So being thrown into the light like that where people will pass judgments and, and have a lot of opinions, I really learned how to develop some thick skin. I learned how to really stay laser focused on what it is that I'm doing, what it is that I have control over, and kind of let the opinions and comments of others start to fall by the wayside. That's going to be helpful in any industry.
1: What were you feeling when One Tree Hill ended? I'm sure it was emotional for all of you guys. How was that transitional period for you?
0: It's really interesting. I had made the personal decision When I was in college, I moved to Los Angeles in between, I think season three or four, four or five, we weren't sure if we were getting another season. So I went with everyone on the show back to LA for the summer thinking, you know, maybe I'm moving here. Mm -hmm. And being out there for a while, I got really lucky and I met an incredible group of women. And so I stayed and there was a point in my life where I had to make a decision with One Tree Hill. They were calling me back for really small, quick one line, two line. And I really wanted to give the full acting thing a try in Los Angeles. So I spoke with some of the producers and I was like, I think if you really need me, if there's like a big story or something like that, I, I will definitely be here but I would like to try to go out and see if I can take on a pilot season and and hopefully book something like that on my own. So, you know, that's one of those decisions I think back on and go, what would have happened had I not done that? So in some ways I would have continued to work in North Carolina, which would have been amazing, but I would have never had the life experience and the growth period that I had Being thrown into Los Angeles at a young age and really having to decide who I am and what it is that I believe in and what it is that I stand for and, you know, find my voice there. So when One Tree Hill, they called me to come back for that last episode, my heart was completely cracked wide open. It felt so incredible to feel like I was a part of the show enough in a way that they'd want me back for that moment. So it was bittersweet, but it felt like it was time to close Mm -hmm. the chapter, but it was, um, It was heartbreaking, but it was exciting to see everybody, you know, step out and go on their own.
1: When did you go to New York after
0: LA? So I was in Los Angeles and decided that I was going to start to use my film production degree. So I started working with some executive producers for ABC and NBC for several years, and they were amazing men that just kind of took me in and showed me their process and let me sit in the writer's room and all the things, just giving me exposure to everything behind the scenes, which was really a wonderful experience.
1: Was that when you decided to get your master's in fine
0: arts? That's when I decided because, you know, I was still very unhappy, even though I was learning all these things and I had a great job and great mentors, I felt unsatisfied. So... I asked myself, I said, if I could wake up and do anything tomorrow, what would it be? And I thought, you know, I'd really like to continue to act. And then I realized I didn't have a toolbox. So, and that was, that was a really difficult thing auditioning throughout that time in my early twenties without having a skill set and a way to self-validate through the audition process. You know, it's tough and I'm sure you understand it. You know, you go in, you do a bunch of work, you audition, and then you're on your way. And I had no way to self-validate. I had no way to go. I've done my job. I worked really hard. I did enough, leave it and go on to the next thing. I felt like it was almost a a representation of who I was as a human. Like I wasn't good enough.
1: Well, I think that that level of rejection is hard on anyone, right? When you go in and you pour so much of yourself into an audition or a moment, or in my case, a resume tape. I mean, when you're starting out as a reporter and anchor, you send out hundreds of them. It's very personal, right? And you're a perfectionist too, which I am. We talked about this as well. You call yourself a semi-recovering perfectionist, which is great (laughs) because are we ever really over that? But you're right though. A toolbox is really what you need.
0: Yeah, you need a system, a process to make small, tangible goals, walk into the room or send off or do the tape and send it off. And then you're able to receive feedback on that because you know you've done everything that you could and you're proud of the work that you've produced at this point. So going and getting your master's gave you that, you feel? It was really interesting. I started grad school at age 28. So I was, you know, with a bunch of young 21-year-olds, 23-year-olds, and they were like, why are you here? You've already done it. You're on a TV show. Well, that's an indication right there that you were needing something more
1: that acting wasn't providing for you because you had reached that level of success.
0: Yeah. And so it was it was a really heart-opening process of going back. And I learned so much at SCAD about not just acting about who I am as a human. Again, all of these experiences and work for me have really been more about stripping off layers of insecurity and finding ways to support and validate myself along the way and and find a sense of pride. And so I got a great toolbox that I was able to use. And I graduated Excelsis Laureate there, which is like, valedictorian of the grad school, which is unreal because I wasn't ever super academic, but I was really invested and really excited. And going back to school in your late 20s is super fun because it's your money and you know you're going to work. Okay. So then so walk us through that phase. You had just graduated. You had a very
1: successful academic experience. You felt more prepared for the next phase.
0: What next? So I moved up to New York and I started working for a producer in New York City and he did not like the idea of me auditioning. So I was sneaking out. I was making up all sorts of lies to get out (laughs) for an hour at a time to run over to an audition and I got really close to booking this one Showtime series and that was the moment I was like, this does not feel good. The lying, it doesn't feel good to me. I don't feel like I'm supporting my craft or supporting what it is that I really want enough. So I quit And I walked into a bar down the street from me and I said, hey, I've never waited tables. Can I wait tables here? And she goes, are you Bevan from One Tree Hill? I'm not kidding. (laughs) And I said, yes, I am. And she goes, I think we can work that out. And I was like, great. So I mean, in New York City, it's not super easy to get a job waiting tables anywhere. You have to have a resume you know, and some experience. And she gave me a shot. And um, I was 30 years old and people were coming in and That I'd worked with and I was waiting tables with them. And I've never been more proud of myself. I'm the kind of person that's willing to do really anything it takes, anything it takes to get what I want and to make it happen. And so I started waiting tables and then I stumbled into a cycling studio one day at SoulCycle and felt really trapped in New York. You know, I'm used to being outside, I'm a beach baby and walked in and I felt a sense of freedom on the bike that I hadn't felt in a long time. And I looked up and I said, well, I'm going to do that next. But that's (laughs) just amazing that you can have that kind of a pivotal moment and embrace
1: it. But do you think it was meant to be actually?
0: I do. It's interesting. You know, in my early twenties, I was like, why didn't I take more ballet instead of doing cheerleading? Why didn't I do more dance? I could be, this could be something I could use in a different way. And then I got cast on a TV show as a cheerleader. It all falls into place and makes sense as soon as it makes sense. So you
1: became an instructor. Yeah. You threw yourself into it. What was so exhilarating about it? What really spoke to you?
0: I think for me personally, and it's not necessarily, it's soul cycle. It's what I personally have found in the process of communicating in the present moment while physical activity is happening mm-hmm. with really good music and creating a sense of like, I, I call myself a curator of experience. But at the same time, I feel like if I'm fully and wholly present as a teacher, In addition to teaching, I'm able to kind of sense and read what other people are feeling. I can see frustration start to rise, or I can talk specifically about what it is that I'm going through in my life. And generally, when people are open to receiving, they'll hear what they need to hear in that moment. And so it almost feels like it's bigger than me. Like I can, in a sense, and I don't want this to sound egotistical, but I can be a portal for words of wisdom and inspiration and comfort within that space. And I just love to move as well. And that's where I feel the most clear and the most present. Putting all those things together along with a little dance party is is everything to me.
1: <laughs> and a great mix. But that's not egotistical at all. And I think right now, especially in 2021, after such a terrible year, I mean, it is more important than ever to be communing like that in a class or whether it's on Peloton or SoulCycle or the studio that you started yes. in your hometown. A little segue there. So you had spent several years in the city, you realized you really loved it, you were at Cycle and, and doing a great job, mm-hmm. but then the pandemic hit and you relocated. So speak about that. And that's really where your current mission was born.
0: You know, I was a master instructor at Soul. I was working for the talent development team and the instructor training program. And I really found great, great joy on the side of teaching other instructors how to teach as well. That to me was probably when I really tapped into the even bigger soul purpose of connecting with people, spending time with them. What's special about them? What are their gifts? What are the things that make them unique and individual? Teaching them and helping them crack themselves open in a way that they can share that with other people and illuminate it is the most rewarding, satisfying thing I've ever experienced in my life.
1: Well, just the way you speak about it is so... So much more intense and I can just tell it's not the way you spoke about acting, Bevan.
0: There it is, right? It's not. I felt an immediate sense of purpose when I am teaching and when I'm working with other instructors. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I came down to North Carolina to visit my family because I was in a tiny one bedroom apartment with my husband who was on calls all day long, and I thought I was going to murder him. So I was like, "We got to get out. We've got yeah, to get somewhere. New York City living. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm like we have got to get somewhere where we can have some space and some open air, and we can be outside. Right. Lockdown in New York City is not a good scene. It's not a- Good scene. It was pretty, pretty tough. So we packed up our bags and we we drove down here and quarantined for two weeks. And then I was sitting here, and I was like, "You know, what am I doing next? First of all, I was enjoying so much quality time with my parents. I haven't spent that much time with them since I was in high school. Being able to be closer to my sister, who's my best friend, and getting to really feel a sense of deep connection and community in North Carolina with my family and friends was was awesome. And so I kind of looked at my husband and we were like, we love the beach. We love the water. Why don't we just come down here for a while? We don't know if this is forever. New York is going to be there, but we know we at least have a year or so until things are going to feel a little bit more normal there. So we packed up all of our bags and came back and I was like, now what? I knew that I really had always wanted to step out and start my own thing and be in control of my own business and really learn a whole new skill set in terms of running a business. So I was like, there is no greater time than now, except that it's the middle of a pandemic and you want to open a fitness studio. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, in all honesty, I think the through line through all of this is I see something, my gut tells me this feels good, try it. And then you just figure it out. So I started reaching out to people. I started telling people. And I think as soon as we open ourselves up and we're vulnerable enough to say what we want, our angels start to arrive.
1: Right. Because this is the point at which I would ask like another guest, you know, any fears you had to coach yourself out of or someone who helped you take the leap to open the studio, but you're one of those people who just does it. And I'm not saying you're doing it without thinking it through, but your pivots just sound very bold to me. they're big jumps. How do you do that? Okay, so if you're listening to this right now, it's like, well, how does she do that?
0: (laughs) I mean, in all honesty, some of it may be like under a non-medicated ADHD person, right? Like I just see something and sometimes I don't really... I don't really flesh it out completely. I mean, I looked at financially what I needed and how I could get that. And I found a friend who knew someone at a bank. They focus on a lot of fitness stuff at Live Oak Bank. They're an amazing bank here in North Carolina. And they loved the idea of bringing community in a time where we don't have any sense of community here. And I knew that everyone around me was craving a sense of connection and a little bit of normalcy. And I saw that gap and I almost felt a sense of, this is something I have to do. It's not even like, do you want to? This is necessary. It's needed
1: you created an outdoor cycling studio named Recess.
0: Yes. I I mean, before the loan had even closed, I knew that I had to get the tent here by a certain date to open when I wanted to. And so I was like, (laughs) well, just hand me my credit card. I'm just going to put this 40 by 60 tent on my personal credit card and see what happens. Oh, that's how it begins, right? (laughs) Yeah. It was a really interesting, exciting time. But I just think the key is, is like, don't fully overthink it. You're going to find roadblocks in any sort of venture. I mean, there's going to be roadblocks, but you can choose to look at them and say, okay, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to learn and I'm just going to keep showing up. Or you can let it stifle you and stop you. And I just know that life is really short. So I got to try and I'm going to mess up, but hopefully I attract people that are forgiving in the way that I want to be forgiving of people. So here we go.
1: You did have this very public job. You're in the public eye. You're, you're, You're a successful actress on a show. People know your name all over the place. Did you ever have that fear that like, this isn't enough for me? And I'll I'll give you a little background because I feel like sometimes that stymies me. You know, I can tell you that a lot of people were surprised that I would want to do a podcast because it's not on camera, but I'm loving it. And it's been a whole journey because I didn't really do podcasts. I had to do a lot of research, but there's so much great content out there and it was just a matter of me getting past that concern that this seemed like less, if you will. And don't take that the wrong way. Podcasting is amazing, but there is just a lot of authenticity in a podcast that I'm gravitating towards. And I love informing people. And that's what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. And I was good at being on the news, but I wasn't really helping people find their authentic selves. right? So I didn't really feel like it truly filled my need, and once I gave up this concern that it wasn't a cool enough job for me, yeah, because it's like only a bucket list career if you love it.
0: Yes, and that's it. Like it is interesting though, because I have, I have definitely experienced emotions similar to that along the way. I mean, waiting tables is this less than, and I'm like, no, this is a higher form of anything I've ever done because I'm, I'm reaching for something else, and I'm willing to do the work. I don't think I'm above anything. I think that, you know, you connecting to your passion for opening yourself up to other people and highlighting other people that have taken chances is giving other people permission to do the same. And that is bucket list, high form, high vibrational life stuff. And I think it's Queen Oprah that said it first, who was like, she says, do what you love and the money will follow. And I think if you continuously do what you love and if money is an energy, energy will follow. Either it'll give you another way to expand that you couldn't even imagine or you're connecting in a different way. It expands and it becomes even bigger than whatever the dream career in other people's eyes might be.
1: And you're obviously really good at this. You're a motivational speaker too, an ambassador for Lululemon. Yeah. And that it's perfect for recess because when you're doing these classes, you're able to connect with people and inspire them. But you also started a podcast, which is how we were connected because we have the same producer and Thank it's called you, Mark. Be My Neighbor. Mark is the best. Ironic Media. So the podcast, you have a co-host,
0: it's on a brief hiatus, but it will be coming back. We hope so. We really hope so. My partner, Brittany Levine, Angel Brittany Levine, who's one of my best friends and an incredible, incredible woman. She is... Do to have a baby any day of the week right now. And you know, I've been really focused on um, getting recess up and running and stretching myself in another way in terms of you know Excel spreadsheets and QuickBooks and things like this. I never in a million years thought I'd be doing. So we put it on hold for just a minute to give ourselves a little bit of breathing room and space. We've always said to ourselves as as far as the podcast goes and and I think anything in life, when it starts to become too much of a burden, like, and it felt like at this time we were we were giving so much in other ways that we're almost res- not resentful, but kind of like, do we have time for this? Po-? It was just, it was too much. So we had to take a little second, but we are hoping that once things settle down, we come back and we have big plans for the future. We always have, and we really would like to see those happen.
1: I'm definitely going to be following and subscribing to Be My Neighbor right when we're done with this podcast what do you really want the Bucket List Career listeners to remember? Because you've, you are good at giving a lot of takeaways throughout every aspect of this conversation, to be honest. But if you had to, as we wrap this up, boil it down to, what about your story do you think you want people to remember and to inspire them and help them remove you know, the roadblocks that you've been able to?
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple things. One, don't be afraid to get a little messy You know, things look glossy on Instagram and everybody can paint their life in a certain way. But if you want, you know, I think about emotions and life on a spectrum. So if I want big, big love, I have to be willing to accept that with that is inevitably at some point probably going to cause big, big loss and big, big pains and... I think the same goes for career. If you want to step out and do something that feels really connected to who you are and your authenticity or, and big in your own terms, then you have to be willing to fail and look messy and have people talk about you behind your back and just keep going. And you know, every choice you make is not your last. So make one and then pivot. It could be whatever turns you on or excites you right now, lean into that because it's going to lead you to something else and you just don't know where that is. And I think so many people sit on the sidelines waiting to research enough or to know enough or to have the right education or whatever it is. And you just got to go out and do it. Beyonce didn't wake up like that and you don't have to either.
1: (laughs) That's so true. And you're right, you know, while social media does have this whole glossy image thing going on, I feel that there is also a movement towards the unfiltered, be honest. I mean, and beyond no makeup days or whatever, and beyond image, beyond the visual, really sharing things that are not going right or things that are frustrating you. And I think when you say, don't be afraid to get messy, that's what it's about. That's how it's going to get you through it. If you need a little validation, don't try to pretend like it doesn't advance your story. I actually, I didn't tell you this, but after my last newscast, I was working on a business, an e-commerce retail concept where I was going to sell anchor dresses. I spent a good year on it, I would say, talking to designers, talking about drop shipping. I had a website for a while. I was really trying to get this off the ground. It just didn't feel right, Bevan. I think that one of the reasons I was most worried about dropping it was because I had told people about it already. So what?
0: So what? Who cares? You pivot and you move forward. And then I found this. So wait, my question is, what about it was not right for you? And then what did you learn (sighs) Mm -hmm. now looking back on it? Because that is interesting to me because I don't feel like anything's an accident either.
1: Well, the theme of it and the concept was it's really hard to find the perfect anchor dress, right? And there isn't a specific line that makes them. You just have to kind of go through and finding the right price point is also challenging for all these women at various news markets throughout the country. They're not the Today Show and Good Morning America. You know, those hosts are just fine with their clothing allowance. But right. I was trying to help all the girls who are starting out, not making a lot of money, fine anchor dresses in one-stop shopping. And the concept was good, but I just felt like, was I truly a fashion type? No. And you know, when I first approached the business model, I wanted to sell them but not design them because I didn't think that was where my true talents and passion was lying. Yeah. When I realized that the drop shipping model, which is where you just sell and you don't design, wasn't quite right. I I had to decide if I was going to design. I looked at myself and I said, You're you know, you're getting too far away from who you are. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to talk about it now. For a little while, I just stopped talking about it, <laughs> and people would be like, "How's that business going, Krista? What's you know what's up with it?" Was called On Air Outfitters,
0: and at this point, I'm like, "I'm ready to talk about it because I've realized that it was all part of the path." And you don't ever see anyone who is quote unquote successful that hasn't taken a lot of chances and thrown themselves into a lot of different arenas, and then just said, "You know, this one's not it. I'm going go to go into the next one," or. I gave it a good go, but it didn't work. So I'm going to try something new. And recognizing that and you being honest about it is going to help people greatly to say, it's okay. I can walk away from something and I can try something else. And look at you now.
1: A hundred percent. Oh, it was so much fun to do this with you. I'm looking forward to hearing more about recess and tell us where people can kind of keep up with you, Instagram, or obviously we can be a part of Be My Neighbor and subscribe to the podcast. But where can we
0: find out about all things Bevan Prince to stay current? I'm I'm pretty terrible with social media, but that is the medium I use the most. So I would say it's uh, Bevan A. Prince on Instagram. And then there's Recess by Bevan Prince on Instagram. And then Be My Neighbor podcast on Instagram. So all those things are, are places where I'll do my best to keep updating and trying to be a little bit more vulnerable and open up about... <laughs> who I am yes. on that as well. So I'm I'm learning and we're all trying and growing.
1: Remember to connect with me on social media to talk career evolutions, setting your career compass for the rest of 2021. This is your year. Bucket list Careers. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Feel free to reach out at Crystal Laurie on Twitter. We have so many more engaging guests in the lineup for you each Wednesday. Just a reminder, that's when new episodes go live. And if you found a particular episode spoke to you or you have thoughts on the overall series so far, let me know, leave a review and rating for us. We appreciate that so much. And if you haven't already, click subscribe.